This morning, we're going to start and jump right into week three of Breaking Free. And next week, I wrap it up with a, a message. I've never talked about depression before. And we're going to talk about depression next week and what that looks like. So um, <clears throat> I pray in my heart that go invite someone. Invite someone to church next week. And uh, it's, I think it's going, to, it's going to be freeing. It's just going to, it's going to be a safe place to talk about it. And it's, it's going to be good next week. But this week, we're going to talk about about something, as I gave you the little warning, a little PG-13, but we'll get into that in a moment. But I want to lay the foundation for our Breaking Free series together. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and it reads this way. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish, let's read this one word together, strongholds. Those things in our lives that just seem like I can't break free. It's just there. It's on my list every year to say I'm going to stop doing it and I keep on doing it. And Paul continues as he writes this. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought, every thought, to make it obedient to Christ. And we define strongholds as this. It's a prisoner locked by deception or living life by something that's not true. That there's these things in our lives that just trip us up and we think that thing has power, but it doesn't. And if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, you have power and authority over that thing in your life. You can be set free. But that thing, that addiction, that spending habit, that gossiping, that lying, that thing, it's lying to you. You think you're powerless, but you're not. And this morning, we're going to look at sexual strongholds. Now here's, I think for some of us, we come in here this morning and we hear something about sexual strongholds and immediately we think of shame and regret. That you look back to the years and you said, you know what, I screwed up and I, I still carry that today. Or you still, even last night, you looked at a thing you should not have looked at. I want you to know there is grace and forgiveness in the name of Jesus Christ in your life. You can be set free. So this morning, we're all on the same page. And I want you to know that you are redeemable. That you're not just damaged goods. There's good things that can come out of your life. We're just going to get it better today and moving forward in our lives. And the thing is, is that in the Christian church as a whole in America, the church has been pretty silent on the topic of sex. And unfortunately, if we're silent and we don't create a safe place for it, the world will have answers for all of us. And we need to be, and we need to set free a generation that is absolutely inundated and chained up with sexual strongholds. And for some of us, we, we know what they are. We've gone down that horrible journey and we know, yeah, I'm just ready this morning. I'm ready. And we're going to tackle that this morning. That's what we're heading. So turn to your neighbor and say, giddy up. Turn to your other neighbor and say, buckle up, because we are going to journey together. We, hey, hey, church, we've got the better way. 
Don't let the world define it. We've got the better way. And God's sitting there saying, hey, in the confines of marriage, listen to me, in my box I'm drawing, I'm not being a mean God to sit there and say, I'm, I'm going to bound you in this box. No, in the confines of marriage, you're going to experience true intimacy if you do it my way. It's the way I created it. And you will never, never come to full potential of intimacy if you go outside the bounds of the way God designed it to be. And we're going to go in and we're going to figure out what that is this morning. So Paul writes to the church in Rome, and here's what he has to say to them. He says, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And as a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for what, friends? A lie. And that is where we are. We are being inundated in an extremely promiscuous sexual culture right now. It's everywhere. And the thing in marketing right now is two words. Sex sells. And it does right now. But we got to take it back in Jesus' name. And what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at what are some lies the world says about sexual strongholds. And we're going to then fill it with the truth of God. So I'm going to talk about four lies and I'm going to fill it with two truths this morning. And here's the first lie. That sex is a recreational activity. Sex is a recreational activity. You know, for maybe some of us, were like, it was only spring break. I, didn't, I, I know I didn't know his or her name, but it was just one night. Isn't sex just physical? Listen, the way God designed it, it is so much more than physical. There's a spiritual element to sex as well. And they go hand in hand. And a lot of the lie that the culture throws is, hey, just go with your feelings. Go with your urges, right? Just follow that. You can't follow your feelings because your feelings lie to you. Because your feelings are based on circumstances, and your circumstances change like coming and going waves in our lives. Are you the same happy that you were last night? Maybe. Maybe some of us woke up a little different. Why? Our circumstances perhaps changed. You can't trust your feelings. And here's what I want you to know. Real love is defined by a commitment to a person, not a feeling. You gotta go God's way. His way is better, not to be mean, but he says, I want you to experience the blessing. And the church has done uh, some injustice with sex. We've made it to be this ugly thing. It's a beautiful thing if we do it God's way. God created it. It's good, amen? Yeah. Gotta go God's way. You will not get the full blessing if you go outside the box of marriage in the confines. There's a reason why God sits there and says, hey, 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 don't do it. I'm telling you, there's warnings. Go my way. Go my way. Now, my wife and I, we, this is not to put myself on a, uh, on a pedestal. My wife and I, we saved each, ourselves for marriage between the two of us. And when I was a research scientist, I was working with a gentleman, and um, he I think he knew God, but I, would, I don't think he followed Jesus. 
And I think for a lot of us, that may be, maybe if we're, we know God, but you know, we're not all in. We're not, we haven't really surrendered everything. And that's where he was at. And he said, Ryan, because he was dating and he dated a girl and then got broke up and I was trying to talk to him about it. And then he they started dating. And we started talking about sex because apparently that's what guys talk about. Did you know it's always on our mind every nine seconds? That's what statistics say. I don't know if it's true. Well, now it definitely is because I mentioned it and we're thinking about it. Um, and so he said, Ryan, don't you got to try it out to see if it works before you put a ring on it? I said, oh, buddy, you got it wrong. Because I know if I do it the way God intends it to be, everything's going to work out. Everything. How many of you are hunters? You love to hunt. Bow, gun, whatever, whatever hunting you else do. Gorilla men jumping out of trees, snapping necks, whatever it is. We got hunters. When do you hunt? You hunt in the fall. Why do we hunt in the fall? Because there's the rut, which is when the does, the female deers, are going out and they're, they got that, they're spraying that thing in the air and getting the bucks all wild up like, yeah, baby, right? And you're a hunter and you wait. You, the does come out and you may or may not take a shot, but you may hold off for that buck because that buck is looking for love, right? And he comes out and he comes prancing and mm, looks a little bit. And what do you do? Boom, baby. That's meat in my belly. And if it's nice, it's a trophy on my wall. Right? That buck came looking for love in all the wrong places. <laughs> I think many of us are looking for love in the wrong places as well. And we become the devil's trophy. And Jesus says, I didn't come for you to be the devil's trophy. I gave you the trophy of victory in your life. Now go live it. And here's what I want to say. This message may be PG-13, but you ever read the Bible? If the Bible was made into an entire movie, it would be NC-17, prostitution, rape. Um, oh, by the way, a prostitute was cut up into several pieces, and then the pieces distributed. Like, it is graphic. And so I'm only going to be as graphic as what the Bible is. Is that fair? I, we're not going to go into birds and bees. You all know about it, especially if you have kids. I know you know about the birds and the bees. All right, we're not going to go into that. I'm only going to be as graphic as what... God's word is. And here's the thing. In two weeks, we're going to launch SOS. It's the Song of Solomon. It's, it's all about relationships. And that book is hot and spicy, I'm telling you. You dudes, you ought to go home and read that thing. Then let me know how, how tonight works for you. You will be blessed, I'm telling you. It is on fire. It's a hot book. And we're going to walk through that. There's some weird things in it. And we're going to try to understand their culture and all that stuff. Proverbs 5, awesome book. King Solomon writes it. It's the book of wisdom, we call it. Proverbs chapter 5 tells you that the breasts are to satisfy you. And that her love, may it be captivated and intoxicating. In other words, get drunk off your spouse's love. And it's sitting there going like, bow chicka wow wow. Like, yeah. Woo. You start reading some of those parts. See, those parts are the parts we tend to leave out of church. We're going to preach the whole Bible, amen? We're going to have a nine, ten-month birth boom here at the church when we get through February. Men, thank me later. All right? Hey, the Bible's awesome. Yeah, don't tell. People say the Bible's boring. It is not. You read that thing. It's fun. 
All right, where was I? Hey, it's not a feeling, all right? Yeah, here's the second lie. Sex is an isolated event. That's a lie. Because a part of you goes with it and a part of you stays with you. You know, we've got the city, Las Vegas, we call it Sin City in America. Like, how appropriate is that? That we're willing to label a city Sin City? It's horrible. I'm not saying you've ever been to Vegas. I want to experience Vegas, don't get me wrong. But why do we got to call it Sin City? Like, we have, like, like it's a stamp of approval, like, yeah, good job. But Sin City has a statement. What happens in Vegas? <laughs> no, it doesn't. Because it goes with you to the counseling room. And it goes and hollows out a part of your soul that you're trying to fill. And then we fill our souls with other things in life. It doesn't just stay. It goes. And I wonder if that's why God's saying, hey, hey, keep this thing that's good within the boundaries of marriage. Because it goes with you wherever you go. And for many, we just, we've just divvied it up. Here you go, here you go, here you go. And you only got a little left. God said, no, no, I wanted you to have it all together. Here's the third lie that sex lies. It says this, I'm strong enough to control my desires. That The lie is, I've just got it. I don't need anyone's help. I can do it alone. If that was the case, why are you still struggling? But I thought you got it. No, 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 no. You were never meant to do life alone. You need to be in a community that will love you, that will say, hey, come and share your struggles. We're going to lift you up in prayer, and we're going to go fight hell and back with you. You cannot beat it alone. If you can, you'd be free already. Because I know this, community is vital because shame is isolating. The enemy of your soul just says, hey, come over here. Struggle, struggle, struggle. Oh, yeah, yeah, you got it next time. No, you don't. And then we put shame upon shame upon shame, and we have so much shame weighing us down, then we feel like, you know what? I don't know if I can ever share anything. And it's so isolating. This is why some of us need to get into the next steps. Week two of next steps is all about community. How you can get inside a community and be impactful in community. You need to sign up for Next Steps. We're offering it during our second and third services next month in February. Do you know already 130 of you have signed up for this step? In two weeks of advertising, 130 of you have signed up. That is an incredible response. We, listen, we need each other. We can't battle things alone. But the devil will want you isolated. And here's the fourth lie. That God can no longer use me because of my struggles. I'm just no good. Right? It's just the enemy has hit me. and I, God, I think you're good, but I, I'm shame upon shame. People said I'm damaged goods. People say I'm this or that. And I just, God, I, I believe you can forgive me, but I'm not, I've got a low self-esteem and low view of myself right now. Listen to me, if that's you this morning. You are redeemable, and God is in the business of making new things. That's you. And God can do more in the latter part of your life than he has in the former part of your life. That God can set you free and use you and have significant impact in your life. Do you believe that? Say amen this morning.
He can use you. The devil wants to lie to you and say, your damaged goods, you're done. You aren't done in Jesus' name. You can break free and say, God, use me in a mighty, powerful way. I, the greatest deliverer in the newer test, or Older Testament, a guy by the name of Moses. Moses led them through Egypt. After 400 years of slavery, Moses was the one. And Moses had this encounter with God, with the burning bush. And Moses is literally going, God, you got the wrong person. Remember Moses? He murdered someone. And he's like, God, you got to choose someone else. No good, don't use me. And God says, hey, Moses, what's in your hand? You know what was in his hand? It's just his, staff or, or his shepherd's staff. It's like God's saying, hey, 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 I'm using you. With everything and who you are, I'll use you. The lowly shepherd, because in Egypt, they hated shepherds. That was low class. What did they do? They were building their pyramids and they were in brick making. They were in the industry business. But shepherd, psh, no, I'm going to use you. With everything you are, you just got to go all in. Here's what he writes in second, first, or first Corinthians. He says, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take members of Christ and, watch this, and unite? This word means to glue together. Am I to take all you guys and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Uh-uh. For do you not know that he who united himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? That they are together now. That they are one. There ain't no separating now. And you gave your body to a prostitute. For it said the two will become one flesh. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? That the presence of God lives inside of you as a follower of Jesus? Who's in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought and with at a price. Therefore... Honor God with your body. Honor it. He's not done. He wanted to write the church in Thessalonica. And he says this to them. God's will for you is to be holy. So stay away from all sexual sin. God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. So if you've just come in here with baggage this morning and shame and guilt, there's freedom in Jesus' name. Let's say today, from this day forward, I'm going to get it right. From this day forward, I'm going to get it right. So what, how do we, what are two truths of God's word? How do, we, how do we begin to live holy lives, not impure lives? Two things quickly this morning. Number one, you have to protect the wound. Protect the what, friends? Protect the wound. I don't know about you, when I grew up, I loved riding my bike. I mean, I think I terrorized this town. I grew up here in Sturgis. I, ter I was everywhere. Now I don't dare to let my kids go everywhere, right? Back in the day, I, I, I went everywhere on my bike. And probably by the age of 10, I, I thought I was really good and thought, hey, you know what? I'm good at bike tricks. And so one of my goals riding my bike was to be able to hold on to the handlebars and stand on the seat and go, no hands. That was just a goal because I wanted to impress people, right? And so one day, I was 10, it's like, I'm going to do it. I'm like, evil Knievel here. Here we go. Got on, got my right foot on the seat, and I'm like, yeah, we're almost there. And as soon as I lift up my left foot, I fell backwards. And my leg, the back of my leg right here, 
got caught in between the brakes and the tire, and my bike wouldn't stop going. So that tire spun, dragging me and just eating away at my flesh. And I got home, and my mom, you know, band it, cleaned me up put the bandage on and always said, Ryan, do not let it get an infection. We got to protect that thing. I couldn't move my knee for days. It's like, man, but I'm going to try it when I get better. I'm going to do it again, right? You don't give up. I'm going to do it again. And, uh, but you protect the wound. You did it at all costs. Don't let it get infection because it could get worse. And I know for some of us, we, we maybe have been promiscuous in the past, and maybe we've looked at things that we should not have seen, but now's the time we're going to protect the wound. Where we're hurting, let's go and protect it, because where we're hurting, the enemy wants to dig there and wants to infect it even more. Look at what the psalmist says. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? And that's the question we're asking. How do we do it? And the psalmist has the answer. By living according to your word. How do we do it? Man, friends, we all have God's word. It's right there. It's our playbook for life. And he says, you want purity? You gotta go God's way. And Jesus speaks into this. Jesus speaks harshly into this. I love what Jesus has to say in Matthew. These are Jesus' words. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Now, I'm pretty sure Jesus is speaking metaphorically here. At least I hope so. Because we would be a bunch of one-eyed cyclopses walking around church if that was not the case. I don't think Jesus meant, oh, you sin, you need to take that fork and pop and pop that thing right out. No, 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 no. What is Jesus getting at? You protect the wound at all costs. You protect it. You guard whatever is hurting your life. You better guard it with everything. Did you know the porn industry revenue? Yearly revenue, the porn industry, is greater than the MLB, the NBA, the NHL, and the NFL combined. Man, we're inundated. We've got an issue, friends. Do you know the average age of someone to look at pornography online is nine years old? Two years ago, it was up to 11 years old, uh, to an 11-year-old. Now it's to a nine-year-old. What are we doing? We've got God's word to the path of purity, yet it start, it's got to start with us as followers of Jesus. Let's get it right. And it starts with our homes. I protect every device I own, my computer, my tablet, my phone. I have an accountability software on all of it. And every Sunday morning, I have an accountability partner that receives everything I've looked at online. Social media too. They get it. I got to protect the wound. There, you, listen, I can't afford to lose my family. I, you can't afford your pastor to be on the front page of the Sturgis Journal because he did something stupid. You can't afford to lose your family. We got to protect the wound. And we're sitting there, would you ever in your life 
have poison on the table in your kitchen, lids off of it, and have kids run around. You would put lids on that thing. You would get it up high and protect the kids. But that's exactly what we do with the internet when we don't have it protected in our homes. We're feeding our kids to the wolves. Because we don't know how. Two websites for you. You need this. CovenantEyes.com or TripleXChurch.com. They both have software to protect you. And what I love, it's, they don't just block sites. You have to get an accountability partner. My wife is the administrator on my account. And my accountability partner is here in this room that gets all my reports. I got to protect the wound. I can't afford, I can't afford my son to look up pornography. And he's nine years old. He's at the average age. I can't afford that. I don't want his little eyes to see that stuff. So I protect everything in our home. you got to protect it. And I love what Paul says about sexual stuff. He writes a ton about sin, but what he normally says about sin is resist it and fight it. But he says something else here in 1 Corinthians. He says, what's this word? Let's read it together. Flee. (laughs) Hey, flee from sexual immorality. It's the only time Paul never says fight it or resist it. He says, get out of there. Run. There's something going on. Don't even go towards that thing. Get out of Dodge. Why? Because he knows we've got to protect the wound. We have to protect what, uh, what we see. And the psalmist says this, I will set before my eyes no vile thing. Not today, devil. And men, statistically, 50% of us struggle with this. You're five seconds away of clicking on something that can devastate your life. And devastate you. So how do we do it? We've got to protect the wound. You've got to do it at all costs to protect yourself from the enemy's schemes. Here's the second truth. You've got to pursue the life of God. Now I want everyone, first, just for a moment, let's play this together. Can we just all close our eyes? Don't fall asleep on me. It'll be quick. Just close our eyes. As you close your eyes, just hear my words. Don't, don't, don't think about a pink elephant. Now open your eyes. You see it. Even though I, in everything I said, don't do it, don't do it. And maybe some of us, when your eyes are closing, you're like, oh, I've already seen a pink elephant. And then here it is. That's the way we treat sexual strongholds in our lives. We sit there and say, don't, don't click on it, don't click on it, click on it, click. Don't, 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 don't start flirting because I know where my propensity and my nature, my human nature is. Don't, 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 don't. Boom, and it leads down to another, uh, another road. And we've never protected ourselves. And I love what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians. He says, with promises like this to pull us on, dear friends, let's make a clean break. Not, you know what, just have some fragments in there. No, he says, a clean break with everything that defiles or distracts us, both within and without. Friends, you've got to pursue the life of God. And Paul wasn't done. Paul, there's so much scripture I could have pointed out, but Paul wasn't done. I think this is really important what he says. Let's make our entire lives, not just parts of it, but the whole thing fit and holy temples for worship of God. 
Then one more time, he's going to call out the church in Rome. He's like, I just got one more thing I got to tell you about. One more. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. If your sinful nature controls your mind, there is death. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, listen, that's all we want. It's life and peace. You'll never have life and peace if you aren't pursuing the life of God. Because the world will say, we have answers. And your flesh will go towards that. But you are a spirit being as well. And we looked at last week, Paul says, hey, your spirit and flesh are in battle. They're in battle. You know, when I feel tempted, and I know I'm struggling, I, I realize one thing. I'm not pursuing that. I'm not pursuing God in my life. And I pursue the good things of the world instead of the one who's truly good. So start worshiping with reckless abandonment. Start saying, God, I'm here, use me. Because I'm done with the stronghold of sexuality in my life. I'm breaking free of it. Breaking free. And if there's one thing I want you to go away and remember from this message, because if we put this into practice, it will change your life. You've got to magnify Jesus in your life. Make much of him. Go to work and wake up and say, Jesus, it's about you. Use me. Not, I know I may be tempted this way or that way, but Jesus, use me in a mighty way. Go to school tomorrow and say, God, this is going to be about you. Help me magnify you in my life because it's all about you we'll continue to struggle if we give Jesus just a little part of us men women you gotta go all in if you want to experience freedom in your life so the team's gonna play for us a song called build my life it's a firm foundation. There is no other name but the name of Jesus. And that's what I want to close my message with. Is we're going to, from this day forward, we're going to get it right. Yeah, the past has happened, but it's in the past and Jesus forgive. But we're going to get it right from this day forward.